Hello, welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. I'm David Wheatley and we're here to talk all things leadership. My guest this week is my colleague and returning guest, Corey Fernandez. Welcome, Corey. Thank you, David. Great to see you as always. Yep, and I love the the wall in your background, and I keep asking him to uh, to make some tell some jokes because uh, it looks like the standard background for a comedian in uh, a plain wall. So uh, we may comedian. We'll maybe get some jokes later on. But <laughs> we're here to have a conversation about training today, and I want to pose the proposition that training, most training, doesn't work, which is kind of interesting coming from somebody that's uh, run a company that does training for so long. But uh, but I'm putting that out there that most training is ineffective and a poor investment on people's resources. What do you think of that, Corey? Yeah, I mean, I think it just depends on what we're trying to accomplish, right? Um, I think if you're trying to use training to establish a common language or paint a picture of what great looks like, and you do that in one day, one shot, um, you've probably achieved your goal. If your goal is to really challenge people's thinking and drive new behaviors so that those behaviors shift results, shift performance, shift outcomes, and you're only doing it one shot, one day at a time, then you're probably wasting your money. Yeah. As I, my wife would say, one shot, one opportunity, which I think is a line from Eight Mile, but uh, <laughs> we won't go too far. Yeah. So if it's a one-off, it has its value if it's about alignment around some things, but if it's about behavior change, then that one-off training can get people excited, but there's very limited impact on what they do when they return back to work. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. so, so then that gets us to re-look at some of our training and say, okay, what if we stopped thinking about delivering training and started thinking about delivering behavior change? And if you start to think about that, what are some of the components that make that more successful? Yeah, I think anything, anytime we've learned a new skill or where we've challenged, you know, ourselves to step up and do something differently, it's a process. Um, it happens over time. Uh, in, in leadership, you know, work and leadership development, it often happens over weeks, months, years. Um, and so I think first and foremost, we need to recognize if we are going to shift behavior, if we're truly trying to help somebody move from where they're performing today and shift to a different level of performance, a different level of impact. It starts with the process. It starts with the gift of time. Mm -hmm. putting it in motion. So that uh, describe the process a little bit more because we're talking about one form of training, which is an event and another form, which is a process. And the event maybe gets alignment, but limited behavior change. The process gets both potentially. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think in a lot of ways, um, there is an event, um, you know, perhaps that happens in a period of time, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's two hours, maybe it's four hours. And that sets the stage for what great looks like. That sets the bar for where we want to be. And it gives people a breakdown of the thinking behavior skills that they need to aspire to. And then within what we're talking about within that event, you often are giving people a chance to practice so that they're building some muscle memory kind of real time, you know, in that safe environment, that safe setting. And then as you wind down the clock on that event, you look at then the next 30 days or 45 days or 60 days going forward as a continued series of events to actually put that picture to work, to push that behavior to work in the world context of what they're doing, right. in the real context of their actual team. 
so that they are figuring out a way to build momentum, build some wins, learn on the job, and then come back into another safe setting, another kind of training environment where they can continue the coaching and learning in terms of what worked well, what maybe got a little off, uh-huh. off, off balance, and how they can continue to refine that thinking and behavior over time. So we have an event, but then after the event, we spend time before we depart, making sure that there's a commitment to application, that, that immediately what's the piece you're going to take back to work. And then we have things that make that sticky or stickier in the workplace before we come back together again at some point to see how we did in, in making it stick. And, and the more frequent we can come back together, then the more likely it is to, to have a, a longevity, a tail to it that, that makes it stickier. And I think together is a really important word not to lose sight of because, you know, together with a group of peers, um, people that we're experiencing, you know, similar challenges with people that we start to trust and can open up with. That's where learning happens. When we're surrounded by people that we trust, that we can open up with a bit, where we can learn together and realize that we're not alone. Um, that's another part of the kind of experience where, you know, we move people along over time through a process with peers where they can all kind of share and contribute and learn together in a safe way. And that's really what ultimately helps people stretch and grow and learn together. So if I, I just recap that so far, it's not a one-off event. It is highly applicable back to work. And we make sure that there's that, that step that focuses it back to work. And it's cohort driven so that you have a team of people, not just the facilitator or the trainer there, but you have a cohort of people who are going through the same experience and engaging in the same application as you are. Yeah, that's right. So those things help make the, give the increased chance of behavior change. And then you also talked, we, we talk about, we're going to come back in say 30 days. And the first thing we're going to look at is what was your experience of the application and what worked, what didn't, what was the challenge and talk about that as a cohort so we can learn from each other's experience at the same time. Yep, absolutely. Yep. So if we just did that, that's a step up. But then this integration back to work, uh, how can we make sure that what they're learning is really connected to what their boss needs them to be learning? Yeah, I think, you know, where, where you know, the, the, the kind of the way that you can frame any type of training in this one, so if, and really looking at this process well, is, is from day one, ask people to define what results are most important to them. What results do you need to achieve over the next six months, 12 months? what relationships are most critical to achieving those results. And then ultimately, as you start to acquire new skill sets or new pictures of what great looks like, how do you then apply that to those relationships and ultimately in the pursuit of those results? So you're building kind of a scaffolding, right? That these, it's, it's not just skill setting, skill building for the sake of skill building, it's skill building or skill development to improve those relationships to then achieve better results in the workplace mm-hmm. and, and constantly connecting the dots back to those relationships, back to those results. So it's strategic in what we're doing and how we're applying our time and how we're shifting our behavior and not just skill development for the sake of skill development. So one example that we try and do for, is if we get somebody signed up for a training program, we want their boss to be engaged as well. So yep. not necessarily be part of the training, but we want them to know that this individual signed up. We want them to be engaged in the conversation. We want them to know what's coming out of the training so that they're armed with questions to ask 
to make sure that when they get back to work on the, the following day or two days later or the following week, that the boss is saying, so how did the training go? What are you going to apply? How's this piece of it going to work for us? And so it's an educated set of questions that really say this is important to bring back to work and can start the dialogue of application in the workplace. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, having this conversation around the important um, role that the, the boss, the manager plays in this type of process. And it was just happening this morning with a group that I was working with. And uh, one of the peers in the room was just talking about how valuable that relationship is because the boss actually provides a great amount of air cover uh -huh. when she's trying to have a four hour commitment every 30 days to invest in this work for herself, for her team, for her organization. Uh, her boss makes sure that that is available and she can actually do that work uninterrupted because she's her work is in high demand. Her role is in high demand and she really needs to be on the job on the team quite a bit. So her boss provides that air cover. And then when they do come to come back together after each training event, um, they're able to build a common understanding in terms of what she's applying back to their team, what she's applying back on the job and get support from her boss. And even better informing her boss in some of the ways that they can partner together because their boss now is able to pick up on some of those you know, cues and come some of that language and some of that skill set that they can work on together. Yeah, we've actually had people come out of the training program as a cohort who've gone back to their boss and talked about what they're applying. And the <laughs> bosses have then called us and said, what do you have for bosses? Uh, <laughs> uh, and we've been able to help them as they've been learning from their direct report. But that idea of they're going to bring something back and apply it and demonstrate that they're applying it also shows a return on investment. Okay. If the boss is, is giving them air cover and, and putting them on that program that by executing it and having that conversation, it shows that ROI. That's right. So, so then the, you know, we've got the, the event, we've got the commitment, we've got a follow-up event that we know is going to happen. Uh, and in our case, it happens around 30 days later, we've engaged the boss to make sure that it's sticky. We've got application to work, but then it's still easy for me to get back to work and things to drop off. So what do we do to remind people of what they should be doing? Yeah, I think what we've learned is is in the world of technology, in the world of, of, you know, where we spend a lot of time, you know, checking in with our devices, our schedules, our emails, and so on. And what we've learned is where we can provide gentle nudges, where we can use kind of messaging every so often, whether it's directly from their coach, you know, who checks in on them and sends them the next message from time to time, or whether we can actually use a platform that can automate some messages and hit inboxes every once in a while to say, hey, how are you doing on this? How's your commitment coming along? Um, can you take a moment, a pause, just for five minutes to reflect on your journal or your journey? And what we use is like a digital journal. And so when that email hits, um, we'll challenge people to click on a very quick link. It'll open it up and it'll ask, you know, a series of questions just to get them to reflect. Are they really following through on their commitment? How strong is their focus over the last month or last couple of weeks? Um, what are they applying? What are they struggling with? And so, you know, they're already kind of setting the stage for some of the future conversations we can come having, we can have together when they come back into that safe training environment to start working with their coach again, working with their peers again, just by having that, that nudge, that digital communication that, that plays out in between the kind of formal training events. Right. Yeah. And the next step for us is to get that to be happening within the cohort, as well as between the facilitator and the, the student to have the cohort engaged in, I tried this and it didn't work so that there's more dialogue between those sessions. So, so we have this whole setup and then um, we would purposely build in some redundancy, uh, some repetition in, in places as well. 
so that the it's reinforced and and people keep hearing the same message and um, one of the things I've heard from folks is, oh, yeah, we did that humanity stuff last year. We don't need that anymore. And my first question to them is, but are you applying it? Are you using it? And the answer is, is usually, well, no, not really. And it's a matter of so let's do it again. And, and they say, well, why would we do it again? Well, because it obviously didn't stick. Let's apply it again, because like anything else, I, I don't pick up the guitar behind me and play like Eric Clapton. You need 10,000 hours of practice to get to that place. And I haven't done my 10,000 hours yet. <laughs> Not even close. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the redundancy is really, really key. And, and, you know, so where, where training can continue to reinforce some of that um, redundancy is you by layering in some of the skill building over time, by again, kind of having a path, a runway where you start with some, the most foundational um, components of kind of leadership. And in our case, what we talk about, two of the foundational things that we work on early on are leadership is about a choice and you can't get very far if you aren't effectively communicating. Mm -hmm. And, and so those, those choices that we're making moment by moment, our ability to communicate effectively and realize that it's a choice that we're making to do the right things that help us achieve mutual understanding or not, you know, really plays out repeatedly. And so not only do we skill build on that early, do we challenge leaders on that early, but then as we get into, you know, future, uh, skill building around coaching and conflict resolution and delegation, you know, those same kind of principles and concepts apply, but it just, it, it changes the nature of the conversation in, a, in terms of a coaching context, in terms of a learning and growth context, because we have an issue. Um, but it really is kind of helping that, that drip take place throughout the entire, you know, journey so that they're continuing to improve and, and challenge themselves to work on some of that early, early skill development all the way throughout the program, all the way throughout the process. Right. So it's the equivalent of I've learned my scales and now applied in a blues song and now applied in a jazz song. And so I, I can look at the same techniques and skills and, and apply them in different environments. That's right. Yeah. And I think the other thing you mentioned there is we're breaking it down into bite size, uh, moment by moment chunks you know that that make it as applicable so the first thing is it's about choice let's have a look at the choices you're making let's give you a guide as to what these look like if they're good or not and then let's go through some some iterations of that so that you have the opportunity to practice it in the classroom that's right and then immediately go back and can hold yourself accountable to that language as you get into the training and then you're going to come back and we're going to talk about how it went later on that's right yeah absolutely so, so if you take this, uh, the example that we've been using a lot here without saying it is our high impact leadership training, which has been going for a few years. And uh, we last year took it completely remote, uh, previously it being geographically based. But one of the things that we did there is say, OK, if we had a year to change the behavior of a leadership of a leader, what would we do to build it? And we took a lot of these these segments in, including 12, four hour in classroom or in Zoom sessions where those events happen and the commitments happen. And then what you were calling the scaffolding or what we sometimes call the wraparound happening in the 30 days between each of those sessions. So by the time you get to 12 months later, not only do you have a set of tools that you've been applying and learning throughout the 12 months, you have a cohort of, cohort of people who've been supporting you, helping you, and that you can lean on. Uh, you've been having lots of great conversations with the people around you at work about how you're applying it. You've probably even started teaching some of it to the folks around you because they've noticed the change in your behavior. 
And that's one of the things we push as well is that don't tell them you've been doing it, demonstrate it so that then they express an interest in what it is that you're doing differently. And, and then in 12 months for a very reasonable amount, this isn't an advert, but in 12 <laughs> months, you see a, a very a deliberate change in the way that they're operating as a leader. Yeah, that's absolutely. I mean, again, you know, just thinking about what you're truly trying to do and if that behavior changed, if that shift in behavior, which leads to a shift in results is what you're aiming for. It is that combination of touch points, experiences, commitment, experimenting, support, and so on that continues to build. And over 12 months time, you absolutely are seeing a series of shifts that have led to some really significant impacts for that individual, those teams, that organization. Mm-hmm. And we share this not to just market our, our program, which is, is a good subtext, but uh, is not the intention. It's a matter of if there's so many training offerings on the, uh, the cards at the moment, that make sure you're picking the ones that are changing behavior and have a structure that drives to, to behavior change rather than the event. Because the easy event, it's like going to a conference. People always used to compare. I could go to a conference. I get to hang out with a few people. I get to meet some folks. I probably drink too much. And all in all, I've spent three grand by, t- by the time I've, I've gone there and booked a hotel and my travel. And what we're saying is, why wouldn't you spend that, that a part of that money in investing in a 12-month behavior change that built a cohort of people that you could lean on who all got this common language, that you learn something new every time, and it's very applicable to the world you're working in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So before we started, uh, you were talking about context as well, and, and so I wanted to close on that point, that yeah. find the context. Yeah, I do think it's interesting, right? Again, this kind of go back goes back to the idea that, you know, you can skill build for the sake of skill building. Um, and that feels good. And, you know, that feels important. It helps us learn. It helps us grow. Um, but if we miss the context um, of why we're actually developing that skill, of why we're trying to improve in this way, um, it, it can have less meaning, less importance, right? And so I think we're always trying to shape, um, you know, conversation in these experiences and these, in these training settings around what is your reality and helping each person, whether they're from a manufacturing setting, whether they're from a tech setting, whether from financial services and otherwise, you know, really provide idea or context around what their life really looks like in their world with their team. And then how that particular skill is meaningful for them on the job. Mm-hmm. not losing sight of the unique ways that each of these people kind of contributes in these different settings, these different industries and so on. And by bringing those stories up, by bringing that context up, um, you know, we're able to help them see the relevance and, and, and really make sure it's being applied in a way that um, is specific to their teams. It ultimately helps them achieve the results they're looking for and has an impact on the relationships that are most meaningful to them. Again, not losing sight of the context because uh, right. that's so critical which then is dependent on the facilitator or the trainer to be aware of the industry enough to be able to plug in some language that makes it come alive for those folks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where, you know, I would, I would just continue to, you know, whether it's the human energy team and how we show up for high impact leadership training and other things, other training and coaching that we provide otherwise or other organizations, I would just continue to look at facilitators that not only are, really good at delivering, but are also our true believers and practitioners in their own life. Um, because I think if, if they're able to find meaning and, and value in what they're delivering, and they're able to really speak to the, the importance of how this has changed their life for the better, 
um, you know, it's, it's an authentic experience and you know it's somebody who's going to help you find meaning in it as well and not lose sight of the context and the meaning for you, right? Because they are a believer, a practitioner, not just somebody who's trying to deliver and facilitate. They really want you to get better because they know how meaningful it's been to them as well. Hey, thanks, Corey. And, uh, and just to wrap that up, if people are interested in seeing what this looks like in reality, then go to humanity.com and check out our high impact leadership training. We have a cohort starting on the 18th of March, that's 2021, and, uh, and that's open enrollment. Uh, we also take it sometimes internally to an organization where you build your own cohort internally, which can build great connections across a normal organization and applying all the things that you and I have just talked about to ensure not just an event, but behavior change at the end of the day. Absolutely, David. Well done. Corey, thanks for joining me this afternoon and, uh, and take care. Thank you. I appreciate it, David. You've been listening to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. I'm David Wheatley, and we're brought to you by the book, What Great Teams Do Great, available now at all good bookstores. Thanks to Brian Spencer and Finkel for the music. Please share any feedback and suggestions. I'm available through humanity.com. And uh, go to iTunes, like, subscribe, and leave us a review so that other people can find us. In the meantime, until next time we meet, stay healthy.